Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Strange New World Season 2. We're going to be talking about Episode 7, Those Old Scientists. I am here today with Sparks Woody. It gets grosser every time. <laughs> uh, Ryan Iliopoulos. Listen, if I'm here, someone's getting Spock. I'm just saying. <laughs> and I uh, forgot to introduce myself. I am Brandon C. McClure. Uh, so we are, talking at, we are talking about Episode 7, the, the long-awaited... Uh, Lower Decks Star Trek Strange New Worlds crossover episode uh, titled Those Old Scientists. This is directed by the one and only Will Riker himself, Jonathan Frakes. That was, uh, that was really fun to see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, written by Catherine Lim and Bill Wolkoff. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let, what I obviously I love this episode, but I'm very curious to know what you guys felt. I had a good time with this one. I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. I'm a uh, I'm a seasoned uh, Lower Decks uh, a fan here. I love the characters of uh, Baltimore and Maryland. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, I know their names. I'm just Dawson. No, uh, I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, I'll be honest. Um, I think, and this is not a negative. It's just like I think I just wanted the episode to have a little more, little more like really dumb comedy like the show but i guess like I, that's not to expect from strange new worlds it is a crossover so like i had a really good time i just a part of me kind of wishes it was a little more and it was fun and silly but like just a little more like yo we're really gonna go for it because we're doing a huge crossover and like uh while again it was not a negative i do wish i do wish that was there but i had i had a good time yeah sparks yeah i really enjoyed it i thought it was a solid episode overall uh did it live up to the hype because you've talked about it nonstop since they announced it. So did it live up, live up to your hype, Brandon? It did. And in fact, it was, up until recently, my favorite episode of the season. Um, and uh, an episode trumped it. A later episode trumped it, which I was surprised about. But I, I really, I, I thought that, it, it, for me, I always knew that they had to kind of bring Mariner and Boimler down a bit to Strange New Worlds level of humor. And I think they managed to do that while also keeping them um, true to who they were on the show. That said, though, I think Jack Quaid is a better live action Mar uh, Mariner. Jesus. I think Jack <laughs> Quaid is doing a better live action Boimler than Tawny Newsome is doing a live action Mariner. Mm -hmm. um i think jack quaid clearly like and he talks about it in the ready room afterwards like he went back and watched the show to like get the mannerisms and the movements of boimler just right and how and i think it really shows because like for 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 jack quaid it, it is literally like he walked off of the set of lower decks but for tony newsome it's not quite as seamless he, she's still good and she's still clearly mariner so i think jack quaid did it better sure uh Again, even though I am a seasoned veteran of, of Lower Decks, that's a joke. Y'all have seen one episode. Uh, I, I I cannot comment that whatsoever. I thought they were both really fun. I, you know, upon watching seasons of it, I'm sure I can see more of the character stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, I thought they were both really fun. I didn't think there was, I didn't, I was worried that like, not that I think they're both like, they, they would be bad, but I was worried like, oh, do you, do you know, will it not work out? Will it be, oh, will this be like a miss? And I don't think it was a miss. I think they were both, I think they were both pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, Sparks, you look like you have something to say. Uh, I, I, I think 
Mariner was just as good as they needed to be. I think anything more um, runs the risk of ruining the live action translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't really have both of them move the way they move in the show. Mm-hmm. It was fine for Jack Quaid to do it because he's in more of the episode, thus has more opportunity to do it. Um, but if you had Mariner also being exaggerated in their movements, there becomes a I, it becomes a little untenable. Also, she is like again, I haven't seen it, but like she appears to be a much more animated character as well, moving around a lot, being a lot more eccentric as well. So like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess if she was doing that the entire episode, that would be like she's kind of yeah. And that's you know, and they can't move. They can't both. Even Jack Quaid doesn't move the same way he moves in the animated show. Um, like it. it I'm also going off a single episode, but I know how animation is and I got the idea of how they move as characters just from the pilot. And like, yeah, she'll do a lot of like grabbing him, pulling him in and like fist pumps and things like that. That's very Mariners like. uh, And and I feel like there not only was there not a situation where it called for her to have that same kind of energy um, because she's more like the guest of the guest on the show and on the ship. Um, so there's not really a take charge moment for her, but also I think if you have both of them pulling those big, uh, bigger, broader movements, it's going to kind of be like, oh, so like everybody at this point in live action moves like that. Mm -hmm. And like you, you run into disrupting the mediums. I think the translation was just what it needed to be. Sure, mm-hmm. and I don't mean to say my criticisms of of uh, Mariner specifically are to uh, discount anything that you that you said, Spark. I, I I quite agree with what you're saying. Um, I of the two, I just felt one uh, felt like they were putting in more of that more of that that kind of animation per- uh, performance because there's a kind of a running joke in the episode that these that it's not necessarily Starfleet of the 24th century is weird. It's just that these guys are weird. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's really fun to play with the idea that, yeah, the crew of the Cerritos, which is the lower, which is where the lower decks uh, ship uh, show is set. is just weird. Um, and I really appreciate that, especially when it comes to the line where uh, Mariner, there's a, t- there's a shit ton of references to other Star Trek shows. Like there are in lower decks in this episode, which is wild. So I'm not going to go through any of them, but there's one specifically that I'll highlight to make my point, which is when Mariner first shows up and she says, you know, I thought you were, I thought you were launched to the, to the, to the 21st century and living. It was basically a reference to um, an episode I think called past lives from deep space nine. And um, uh, uh, number one says to Spock, their, their references are oddly, if you notice their references are oddly specific. Um, and I think that's just really funny just to kind of point that out that like, yeah, they're just weird. <laughs> they're just living in. They're just weird people living in Star Trek. Yeah. Uh. Uh. The, yeah. I. I. I do wish there was a little lower deck stuff. Like maybe like a character we've never met that could have been like. I'm not saying any cameos or anything, but like something to be like, hey, what what's going on with your lower decks crew? And it's literally one scene of characters we've never met before. We never see him again. Like that could have been like a little fun thing. But oh, like, that would have been yeah, really yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. uh, like I don't yeah. I don't know those people again. This is focusing on the heroes of the ship, not the lower decks crew. But like that would have been like, yeah. So what's your what's your losers up to? And like that would have been fun to see one scene of what are those losers up to. <laughs> There is a there is a joke in in and I think season two of Lower Decks that um uh there that they go through like oh I wonder what other Lower Decks are like and it, we see other species do Lower Decks and the, we get to the Borg Lower Decks and it's just four Borg sitting in an alcove and it's really funny that's pretty that that sounds pretty good that sounds pretty good uh, uh, I yeah, like, like something like that would have been really funny to see in this yeah yeah uh, uh again like not uh uh 
I don't have any negatives of, of the things that weren't in the show, just things that I that I think would have been really, really fun. If you're gonna do, you know, again, I agree, I don't need them to be like the exact characters, but like I just if you're gonna do like a musical episode, like body swapping episodes, you can do one that's a little more slapsticky funny. Uh, but this one mm-hmm. still was really, really funny. Like um anytime I just really like, you know, I will eventually watch Lower Decks, but there's just there's just a million shows to watch, it's impossible. But like like I really like those two characters. Like I think they're really fun, they're really great. And the fact that it is those characters who are the voice actors is really compelling. And it just makes the universe feel kind of like a little more real despite it being animated. Uh but when she's like, Oh, I didn't expect Spock to be so hot, those ears, ooh, that haircut. And I'm like, This is this is good. This is working. Yeah. I really like it. I'll kind of uh to your point say that it was a good gag and something about the way it was executed visually and i hate to hang this on potentially on riker but um the spock smile gag yes it doesn't land as hard as it should yes and it's something about the way it's filmed yeah i like it's good it's not bad Jack Quaid's kind of carrying the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. It needed like a dramatic zoom or something. Sure. Um, but the 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 joke of it doesn't punch the way visually I want it to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree with that. I actually 100% agree with that. Um, there's very few in this episode. That, there's very few things in this episode that don't necessarily work for me. And one of them is the Spock showing. I, it's played off like Spock is, is experimenting with emotions because he is dating Christine. But there's something weirdly jarring about it happening in this episode um, that because it is new and everyone's kind of commenting on the fact that it's new and the way it's filmed to kind of be less, especially when we see like him smile and it's filmed because there was one I, moment specifically, though, that I want to shout out real quick. Sparks, just I want to finish my point here, um, which is just that I, I do appreciate his sadistic humor towards the end of the episode. And I'll, I'll talk more about that a little later. So I want, because I want you to go. Um, to your point, I think the problem is that there wasn't uh, an episode that didn't need to be about Spock, but featured Spock playing with these emotions. Yes. Since yeah. the episode ending where they got together, like we've seen him be emotional in that episode, but that was before he got his volcanism back. So mm-hmm. we haven't seen him doing this. Um, we didn't even know he was doing it, so, to be honest with you. like yes, We saw a single yeah. scene and nobody talked about Spock in the previous episode being like this so then we get here and it's like oh yeah he's like trying out emotions and i'm like oh this is a weird time to have introduced that concept i feel like that should have come up before Mm -hmm. and then in this episode be a thing that's happening this was still early enough in the episode where when spock just started like just spontaneous laughing i was like is he like infecting this universe with the animated universe and things yeah. are about to get silly. And I was like, that, again, that's where I thought it was going. Cause he just starts randomly laughing. I'm like, is he become the Joker over here? Like what's going on? And it's like, Oh no, I'm messing with my emotions. And I'm like, Oh, when did this happen? I'm like, yeah, like we yeah. could have like used a, use this a little bit earlier. I, I do agree with that. Yeah. I think that there, there needed to be something and not to spoil the next couple of episodes, but this is the only time that it also shows up in the future. Boo. Boo. Um, so like, it's, it's, it's just a weird plot line to kind of introduce in this episode and then not really have it not show up prior to this. It's, it's very jarring. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just weird to have it here. I, I even would have accepted it if this had been taken place before the previous episode so that you can at least ride the line of like, well, Spock's still kind of like rebalancing. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. With, uh, with, with the chapel stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and I would have bought that, but like, 
we see him pretty well mannered in the previous episode and with chapel this just feels so like, like like one of those things where i think if they had a longer run, run time this would have had an arc but like oh no we need to cut something from this episode sorry spock it's got also also as, as other star trek fans have pointed out like on twitter i saw like they're like oh yeah because spock never smiled before yeah like literally not true um it's a good it's a good gag like he can be i think they just need to go harder on the like him behaving otter but i i don't know if it means anything it kind of felt like a contrived way to get us to the spock and chapel point of it all scene for uh boimler in the elevator sure Uh, Yeah. yeah i get that um i want to backpedal a little bit uh, uh, on this episode and, and just kind of highlight that I do really appreciate I kind of knew they were going to do this anyway I think they mentioned it when they were talking about this episode but the animated opening um, not necessarily the animated like intro opening which I think is very clever and very fun mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of there's a great uh, lower decks easter egg with the warp they sell slug um, that they didn't need to do and I thought that was cute but we were just both having- like what the <laughs> yeah and, and lower decks and the opening for lower decks the warp nacelle slug is just on the cerritos in one sequence and they kept bringing that back for the enterprise and i was like that's that's cute i appreciate that level of that level of detail yeah um but the opening just being an episode of lower decks i thought was really cool and we see um our our, our entire crew um our entire lower decks crew the rutherford and um Tendi. and Tendi sets up a plot line for this episode, which I thought was really interesting, uh, with the Orions being um, uh, Orion scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I like the, the kind of the kind of like through line of like Boimler telling like Pike and everyone like, you know, actually it's kind of offensive in my time to say that Orions are all pirates, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is cool cute. because like you get the. You, you almost, I don't think you really ever get this in Star Trek, where, like, in the moment of them b- believing they are fully progressive, being told, yeah, I mean, down the road, not so progressive. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you're always improving, and this is something you're going to need to improve on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think that's really cool, and, like, tying it into one of their crewmates and everything, I thought was very fun. I'll, I... I don't know what I, I... I can't even tell you. I don't know what I thought, in hindsight, the episode would be. I guess I thought that Boimler and Mariner would show up uh, just through the portal absent any kind of plot relevance. Uh, well, any kind of prelude by their world. Oh, their, yeah. Not their world, but their time. It would have been a random, a random. They, they would have come through and you'd be like, if you're in the know, you know yeah. who they like, and you just follow it, but entirely from the strange. It's like in media res. And sure. I didn't think there would be like tangible stuff on, on their time period. It is a true crossover. Yeah. And like, I don't, I think it's cool. I think it's cool overall. I, I kind of go back and forth in my head about whether I think it should have been in live action or not. Well, see, here's the thing. They could have, like, this doesn't feel like the lazy route. Like, the lazy route is you just start and, like, whoa, how did we get here? And we look like this. Right, and, like, absolutely. They didn't have to animate the beginning or the end. Like, we that that's, like, juicy extra stuff, in my opinion. So, like, right. I feel like they want the extra amount to make, like, no, like, we're, let's go let's go as hard as we can, like, with this animated crossover. Because then that's like a silly, like, you know, Rick and Morty-esque Star Trek show. And it's like, it is crossing over with the big premiere, this is Star Trek show. And like, that's really cool. That is really, really cool. 
Yeah, it's kind of that's kind of one of those things that I was concerned about going into this episode for uh, people who have come to Strange New Worlds, much like much like Sparks has, uh, not knowing anything about Star Trek prior, um, having kind of ancillary knowledge and really just this is your first Star Trek show um, and, and having a show crossover with Lower Decks, which is a very reference heavy Star Trek show and a, a much different show. Um I was really, I was really interested to see how they would do something like that, and not only that, but how would it be received by people who don't watch Lower Decks, uh, specifically the animated opening and the ending where we see the Strange New Worlds cast in the Lower Decks animation. Um, I was, I was, I'm just so, I, I'm not the person to ask about where this opinion would go. Sparks would be like, I guess, like, I guess to end this point, is this? Should I ask the question of like Sparks? Is it? Is it um, is it too much for someone to come into a Star Trek show, see this? Is it is it uh, off putting? Is the word I'm looking for? Is it off putting? That's uh, I I I think if I were a person who was really absent, unaware of mm -hmm. other things, and like didn't even really like kind of knew Lower Decks was there, but didn't know this crossover was coming, didn't really know the context of what that meant or anything, and all I do is watch Strange New Worlds, I do think kind of the animated opening would throw me a bit. I don't mm. know, I don't think I'd bounce off of it, me personally, but I could totally understand people that did. Sure. Um, and it's one of those things where me, uh, I think having it animated actually is really cool. Um, and makes a lot of sense because why realistically if you, the show always looks like that why would you change the look of the show that people are watching because right. it's in universe at that time but when i think about like again someone who's not really engaging with lower decks or nor are they very aware of what it is um the idea that they are supposed to be from the same time period but we treat the thing as though it is it, it almost feels like a separate world because of how it is because it's yeah. animated but it is just their future and so it's like in theory when it's on the strange new world show wouldn't that be in live action yeah um and like that that is a, it's an interesting call to have made and i mm -hmm. don't think they made the wrong one i think there are far more people who are watching the show who are at least passively aware if not entirely aware of what Lower Decks is and engage with it, especially at this moment in time. Yes. Um, so I think that they're favoring the audience that's there for the show in the majority. Yes. It's just a really interesting choice. I don't think most studios would have let a show make. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think, like true. you said, that, again, me not saying I don't like it or it's yeah. bad. I think if this were a season one, it'd be a different story. But this is season two. And with Lower Decks, which is on its fourth, fifth season at this point, right? So, like, if you're watching Strange New Worlds, you're not watching that on TV. You're watching that on the Paramount website that broadcasts Lower Decks to you immediately after the show's over. So, you have some tangential awareness, no matter what, I feel like. If you're watching Strange New Worlds, no matter what. So, like, I don't think there's anyone going into it completely blind, like, like it would be in the 60s or 70s. I guess my only pushback is that there are still, like, some fans that are, they Blu-ray weight, just, like, people who trade weight and sure. get the Paramount. I hope they're not because, online whatsoever. Because they've been getting the Star Trek Blu-rays that way because Paramount's been good about it. Sure. Well, but, like, there is, but again, there is also, there is also a lot of people who don't watch Strange New Worlds. That's uh, not Strange New Worlds. Sorry, Lower Decks. There's a mm -hmm. large section of the fandom who are not interested in Lower Decks because of its humor style, because of its animation style. Yeah. Well, and I think that's all the more reason why it should be 
the animated opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is because it like it shows it, respect to it. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't like um uh, there's a specific word I want here and I can't quite find it, but um it doesn't uh uh debase it. It doesn't um uh treat it like it's a lesser art form, yeah. Um by translating it to live action. It's like, hey, if you were if you're in on Star Trek you're probably just in and like you can watch the thing and know like this is what it looks like for this time period with the show that we're telling so that's why it still looks that way here but don't worry when we bring those characters over we're going to bring them into live action because that's what you're used to when you're watching this time period it's not a different world thing but a different time period thing Mm -hmm. and who we're focusing on and i think again i think the majority of people can just get on board with that yeah and i do think it's an in, an encouraging move for the people who are maybe put off of Lower Decks to want to go watch Lower Decks, which is smart. Um, and I and I don't think I, I think they're catering to the right side. Yeah. Uh, it's just an interesting choice um, when you just think about it. Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think most other places would have gone live action and then, like Ryan said, the lazier way of just kind of having them. If 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 not immediately portaling in, only seeing the two of them maybe talking to one of the other crew members off screen. Yeah, they'd have to do that entire um, crew then in live action too. And you know they're you not could doing do, You could do Tandy because we see the other Orions. You could do yeah. Tandy as well. You could do Tandy, sure. Yeah. yeah, and and like you could just do that, and then them be taken over yeah. into the into the Strange New World timeline. So you'd see both in live action. There you there it is. That'd just be done. End of day. Um, but I think this is the more interesting choice. Well, I know a, a funny little factoid. Um, uh, Tawny Newsom and Jack Quaid are both significantly taller than Mariner and Boimler. Mm. So when you see uh, Ransom, who's the first officer of the Cerritos at the end of the episode, he is taller than both of them, which makes him roughly eight feet tall. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I just thought that's really funny. For just one episode. Don't think. And then they're right, like, that, man, that man is huge. Yeah. Yeah. That man is a giant. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's the right choice because like it, it, like you said, it treats the art form as legitimate and respectful, um, which is what it should do. It's like, it doesn't invalidate, there it is. It doesn't invalidate, uh, the animation by removing it. It's, it says, no, this is valid, true to canon Star Trek, just as much as like, anytime you're watching it, that's what it looks like at this for this show and this time that's what the show looks like so that's what it looks like before they get over here and then the cherry the cherry on the cake is is the end of the episode where we see our homies Cute. our humies in animated form and i'm like and i love they the, did not have to do this i love the explanation is it's the orion liquor that's it's making the, them it's the liquor themselves. that's making them see it that yeah. way and it, like yeah uh i thought that was really <laughs> manga just what is this <laughs> <laughs> no i thought that was i thought that was really cute and it's like a a really valid way of being like you know this show could look like that too yeah uh it's just a perspective thing and yeah yeah, i i I think it's the the i think it it's the more fun way to go about it um also people don't like let's say they don't like lower decks they watch a five minute opening that's no big deal no so so this is a really unprecedented thing in star trek right brandon like this has never really happened before not not one medium going to another. Um, there's been plenty of uh, live action go to animation with Prodigy, but never the other way around. Right. Well, I don't. I don't just mean crossover, but like um, a Star Trek show that is cemented, like an actual full Star Trek show that has its own cast and everything, and their characters traveling back in time to another show. Oh no! So that is ha- that. 
that's happened before um, with uh, Trials and Tribulations specifically is, is probably the, the 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 closest comparison, which is uh, the Deep Space Nine crew going back to the episode uh, uh, Trouble with Tribbles. So they edit the Deep Space Nine crew into an episode from the 60s. It's a really good That's episode. Cool. That's pretty cool. But it's not it's never happened where it's been two concurrent at two concurrent shows crossing over um right like, and that, like that's this. just like them edited into old footage that's like right? that's like yeah. um Kung power into the fist style that's that's cool <laughs> yeah. and fun and impressive but what i mean is like in interacting casts this is a true crossover like a yeah, yeah. uh and across time so like my point being like having characters directly engaging with each other about characters you're connected to on both sides and can be connected to on both sides Numero, uh, yeah. talking about time and and where they're at in starfleet and that kind of thing those um, old scientists pos that's cute i think that's cute that's a joke from lower that's a joke from lower decks um ransom coins that term uh pre, pre in a previous season and the is kind of caught on uh to call the tos era those old scientists not the original series um yeah. ransom also makes a moment makes a, a a thing in this episode at the end of the episode when we see him um say that uh numero numero una is the hottest first officer in the fleet. That is because uh, that actor is married to Rebecca to Rebecca Mermaid in real life, and that was the two. Of, that was just him being hot for his wife. Jesse, what's his name? Um, That's a good question. I, it it no, left my no, mind um, immediately. Oh, no. Oh, he he voiced Superman. Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell. Yes. He's always in there. Um, he is in real life married funny. to Rebecca Mermaid. That's very cute. Sure, that's really cool. That's cute. Uh, I'll tell you one of my favorite things about it is like, I, you know, I guess we've seen like um, an amount of a time travel esque thing occur on the scale before, which you know, sort of is, um, you know, Spock and um, Eric Bana uh, going back in time mm. to original Nero series there thank you um uh, going back in time to their original series counterparts and like having these pains of like the people they become and like especially kirk and like everybody's talking about kirk it's just nice to have something where they go back and they're talking about everybody but kirk um yeah, yeah. which is cool and obviously like there's no good reason like they know the moment they see captain pike they're like they're not there yet um yeah. <laughs> but but it's still refreshing. Yeah. I one of the things I do really like about this episode, the, the thing that I like about this episode is that it is a, a Strange New Worlds episode still. Boy and Laura Mariner are there to progress the plot lines of of characters that are that are in Strange New Worlds. Specifically, Pike being kind of taken aback to be like, he has a fan. He knows that his future is terrible. He we've he's known that since Discovery season two. So he knows that he's he's destined for this chair, which is something they allude to in this episode that he knows. Yeah. Um and he even and and it, he he even says himself. It just seemed nice that just kind of felt like my future wasn't so bad. Uh, that this person really liked me, and it's nice that Boimler idolized Pike. And then what I think is one of the most effective emotional beats in all in this entire show is when Boimler said is when Boimler Mariner says that Ad Astra Prospera was on the recruitment poster for Starfleet. I wasn't gonna go there yet, but yeah, we can. Um, Hell yeah! I mean, it's the most important part of the episode. Yes. I would argue because it's the thing that's like what we were saying is you know when we were, were at the beginning of the season and talking about um, the stuff with Una is like this has to 
that we really want this to matter. We want to know that this matters. And what better way than to give us something that's in the far future that says, don't worry, while we might tackle this thing in small steps and it takes a while for it to matter about her being in Starfleet, in the future, they acknowledge it. Yeah, um, yeah. So really nice. They listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, really nice full circle thing when, about that. And like, yeah. again, to credit, because we've talked about like Rebecca Romaine just kind of showing up a bit more this season, giving more opportunities to perform yeah um her reaction to hearing that is really great yeah i i i legit cry every single time she says they put it on the poster (laughs) like truthfully like it brings me to tears um i i was i i was floored by it i Mm -hmm. i didn't expect to get that kind of emotional gut punch in this episode it's a good show good show an episode where jack quaid won't stop screaming (laughs) there's a great uh i love there's a lot of great you know interactions with the with the animated crew and, and the new crew mm-hmm. in different way or the stranger worlds crew uh but i love the the bar scene where like yeah let's just take a break let's have a drink take five yeah works i do much. i appreciate that marin that, that mariner um kind of what we know from a lower decks of the mariner is actually a very good officer she just likes to slack off um yeah. and so she like even says it in this in this episode where she's like um when her horror is like you know starfleet regulations like yeah there's a ton of re- there's a ton of regulations that you let you slack off so yes i know them all let's go um oh, yeah. i think that's real i think that's very fun i love i really like that she that mariner is starstruck about uhura and seeing uh her kind of teach uhura to relax i think is very meaningful like she doesn't have this moment where where she's like so starstruck and she sees that when she's disappointed that her hero isn't the isn't who she knows, she knows that this is a very de- developmental moment for her, for her hero, and she kind of helps her along that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's very nice and very sweet. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but they also have a moment where they like at least recognize Ortegas. Someone does, right? Yes, uh, Jack Quay, uh, uh, Boimler says, Orte- uh, Lieutenant Ortegas, you're a war hero." Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. yes. It's uh, what I really like about that is that it it like broadens your idea of of who's important in Star Trek Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you know outside of the show no one had ever heard of Ortegas before, Um, right? Right. Right. Okay. Just have to double check because I don't always know if I'm talking out of my butt on that one. Because I was pretty sure half the crew is is the POS crew. But I was pretty sure Ortegas was created for the show. So to have uh, that that character reference as like oh you're also someone people like history remembers and thinks about um really bronze the idea that it's like you know it's beyond kirk's main crew and and that kind of thing who who history remembers and takes it all the way to a character that was made for the show and and that there are still people you can learn about in star trek that are not those central figures that are like people still talk about them people still revere them absolutely yeah uh kirk was uh it's interesting stranger worlds is really smart for remembering that there were about there's roughly 15 years between the launch of the enterprise and when kirk takes command of it so that's really in that's that that it, it's naive to think that in that time the only significant officers on the enterprise were kirks um yeah. so to re, to kind of remember to kind of like bring that hi, the highlighting that moment with ortega's really kind of solidifies exactly what you're saying sparks uh just that the these characters are just as important um ortega's fought in the klingon war um so like of course she'd be remembered as a, as a war hero 
And to be honest with you, this episode also made me change my mind about Lon's fate. Yeah. Because now I feel like, you know, anything can really happen. Sure. You know, there's a yeah, okay, it's a little weird that Lon doesn't come up if Alon is around um during the con event stuff, but like outside of that, uh I I now buy a little more that like there's room to still talk about Lon in some other capacity or what did Lon do or or you know put put some respect on her name yeah. uh in some yeah. other part or some other point in Star Trek, whether that's lower decks or somewhere else. Um yeah. and and so I kind of I kind of backpedal off my confidence that she'll be killed by the end. I'm not saying it's not gonna happen, but like I, I'm not as a a hundred percent like, oh yeah, that's that's her fate. She yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I think there is room to like give a moment to tell a story i just think it has to happen then like mm-hmm. some something star trek somewhere down the line post strange new world still has to if lon makes out of the show has to acknowledge like you know what you know, what lon get up to <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> um there's a few there's there's um i, I want to just kind of mention anson mount anson mount this season pulled back a lot this season because he had a kid um between season one and two and he so he took some time away from this sh- from the show which is why he's primarily not in the first episode um and i i really appreciate i just want to just shout him out because like i think he's really funny in this because he's just so sick of boimler by the end of it he's just ready to like he's like babysitting he's like dad babysitting these two kids that are running around uh he's got my one of my favorite jokes with and th- these kind of jokes always like kill me so like i'm I'm a pretty easy mark, but it's just when um, when he turns around after the he calls after they call the Orions and he's just like options and Boimler raises his hand. And he just looks not you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was him really and, funny. Him and Quaid play off each other really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's really fun to your point of what you're saying about Mount uh, not being as present because of having which totally makes sense. Um, it's a real shame that yeah. uh, I'm sure he's going to be more center at some episode that's coming up. But um it's a real shame that his like his episode is the one that he stole from Ortegas and then not as kind of story. He's been yeah. great everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> um let's see. I really appreciate no, I don't want to talk about that one. I'll talk about I got, I got one. Uh, Because we brought up La'an, but, like, her little scene with Boimler's cute. She's like, hey, I know you're here, but, like, you know, not that I have experience or anything. Don't, like, create attachments or do anything crazy. Because, like, you know, again, no experience. I didn't do anything crazy. Like, you know, fall in love with an alternate person or anything. And I was like, oh, La'an, you're so cute. I love it. I really, I I like the the immediate next line. I was like, I won't say, I won't say anything. Warf's honor. Oh, shit. Warf's honor. Yeah, there's a a Q reference. Like, shh, they don't know him yet. Yeah, that's really, holy Q. Yeah. And just, well, and just reminding, (laughs) just reminding him that uh you know you mess things up here and your your world is gone like when yeah. you, you're not gonna get get to go home future's gone yeah yeah there is there is a lot of improv in this episode from jack quaid and tawny newsome to kind of bring some of the lower decks-esque um mannerisms to the, to the thing one moment where he he rikers the saddle uh where he yep. does the the lego thing that was completely improv on the day and William right having Willie Riker there and doing the Riker bit apparently was really funny. Um, but there is a specific thing that I will shout out because it's my favorite thing, and this is a reference that you guys are not going to get. But there is a section 31 reference in Lower Decks where Boimler is talking, is doing a specific walk where he's kind of like shimmery shimmying as yeah, he's walking. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. And he's and that's called the According to Boimler, that's the Section 31 walk. All members of Section 31 use that walk. 
and Section 31 is a shady government organization that are racist. But they, um, but Boimler does that in this episode, and that was just apparently him just being like, I'm going to do the Section 31 walk now. And I it just said, thought that's, re- that's really great. It, not knowing that information, it's his most standout moment of like, uh, yeah, you came from an animated show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought he was just like, being a weird guy, I'm like, ah, yeah, he's a weird guy. Yeah, he's doing the I, I thought that was walk. just his translation of physically being uncomfortable because it's when he's running away from Una. Yeah. <laughs> um, I apparently like was again watching the ready room of this episode was really fun because it was just it was him just being like, Yeah, a lot of the stuff I just did on the day just to kind of bring in little references as you could. Yeah. Um I like that when that Boimler and Mariner kind of get paired up with the other with other characters like Spock and and Uhura. And I really appreciate, I really like the, the Spock and Boimler science bros thing happening where, where he's just like, it's supposed to explode. And Spock's just like calmly like, Nope, we need to, we need to cover and just leave. No, we need to leave. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Um, and then there's the, so the, the kind of the crux of the episode kind of comes to a head when they realize that this thing needs a specific power source and it's and it's something that I think it's deuterium. No, it's deuterium is what powers a starship. I forgot the name of it now. It's something that that the old NX class starships from way back in the days of, of Archer's Enterprise um, uh, used uh, to 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 on, on their on their on in their ships and so which they name drop him specifically yeah they name drop him specifically because that was sort of something I really like kind of I did the I did the Leo meme it, yeah uh, Pike uh, Ortega's and Uhura have a very lower decks moment where they're kind of reminiscing about the Enterprise that precedes them um, talking about the NX Enterprise um, you know it's like you know Pike's like I get it like what what would I do if I just found myself on Archer's Enterprise. And that kind of gives Boimler the, the light bulb moment. Um and I and I'll, uh, I wasn't actually, I wasn't going to bring this up yet because I kind of forgot about it, but I will mention that Ortega's and Uhura uh, Uhura mentions uh, Hoshi Sato, which is the inventor of the universal translator. Um and uh Ortega mentions Travis Mayweather. And uh I uh, I'll be honest with you guys, I lost some respect for Ortega's in that moment. Because Travis Mayweather is the worst character in all of Star Trek history. Oh no! Uh, he is, in fact, the pilot of the NX-01, and it is it is not the it is not the actor's fault. It is not the is technically not even the character's fault that the writers just didn't ever do anything interesting with that character for four seasons. He is just the worst, most well, waste is, of space character. This is the retcon. We're like, actually, no, he was awesome. Don't think about it. Well, pilots, <laughs> future pilots are impressed by him, Brandon. Yeah, Apparently he didn't so. break the ship. <laughs> that you know what? That is true. He didn't break the <laughs> ship. There you go. Oh, and, um, and Ortegas has a the, you know it's like you know the old one with the grapplers and and a lot. It's like I like grapplers. I'm sorry he wasn't funny or interesting enough for you, Brandon. But he did his job. <laughs> he did his best. He landed the ship. Um, I never landed a ship. Honestly, well, no, he landed a few shuttles. I guess. So you're uh, right, Ryan. <laughs> I really, I really like when Boimler messes up and says, "Well, in the future, his birthday is a holiday," and everyone's like, "What?" And he's like, ah, ah. <laughs> "Gotta stop yeah. in the future." Oh yeah, they have a cute birthday party. Um, yeah, I like that. I think Smock's. Sorry, I think Spock's smile getting um, more disturbing works better in the scene where Mariner is with 
Boimler to react mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it still doesn't get to the point I want it to. Sure. But it's definitely better there than it is in the first bit. Yeah, because because she she's you know, like, oh, well, Spock smiles now. I was like, yeah, don't worry about it. He smiles now. He smiles now. I'm just glad we oh, uh, here, to the point <laughs> of what you were saying. I'm just glad we got some Ortegas uh, with Uhura and Mariner. I'm yeah, just glad yeah. that like, you know. I feel like they knew they kind of did her dirty with that episode. And so like, they still like try and get her in some scenes. Like, no, she should still be here. She's important. Oh yeah. yeah. Uhura calls her a genius. She's like, yes, I am a genius. Why am I a genius? Yeah. Like, she's, great. she's great. There's, um, there's so many references in this episode to God, everything, but, um, or Uhura realizes that the, mach- that the, that the teleporter, that the, that the, that the portal machine is ancient, Nausicaan, which is a, a crazy reference to a Star Trek The Next Generation. The characters that almost killed Picard were Nausicaan. Ooh, um, I was thinking of Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. I was too. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. It's like when I say Cardassians, you guys think I'm saying Cardassians. No, I actually know what Cardassians are. <laughs> Sparks I get that. <laughs> I'm the Leo meme. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, let's there's see if there's anything else I want to... There's a line between Mariner and Boimler that's like, do you notice how slow and quiet they talk? Oh, yeah. Which I thought was a really cute, like, acknowledgement of the differences just between the mediums yeah. and a nice yeah. way to do it. Like, oh, yeah, back in this time, like, they talk really slow and quiet. Um, the, 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 or, the Orions have a really great moment uh, when they're on the planet. And it's so, so, oh, yeah. So, one of the, one of the, one of the, my favorite things about this episode is that. Boimler kind of accidentally screws an entire colony um, because he came through this through this portal. Uh, there's a specific grain that's going to this colony, uh, Setlak Two, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and it it's um, it's significant because it's part it's near, close to Cardassia. Um, Setlak Three is a major battle in the Cardassian Wars. Um, so Setlak Two. That grain. I swear to God, I'll gonna make a thing of joke. I swear to God. <laughs> so they so they need this grain but they 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 have um they have uh but they instead make this trade for this portal for this for this portal and because of that the settlers have to be uh moved and and, um doesn't get a lot to do with this episode carol kane only has two scenes in this episode but she actually has one of my favorite lines which is don't mess up my floor i have to walk on that spock just goes It's illogical for you to think you're the only one. Um, <laughs> That's pretty good. But I do really appreciate that it kind of comes full circle. The, the the whole episode comes full circle when it's revealed that like what Tendi said about the Orions being the people, the first people to discover this portal is uh, is because of what uh, of this grain thing that Boimler messed up um and it's because boimler's interference that now history remembers these people as orion scientists and not orion pirates um and i think that's just a really sweet thing to do that's uh, why the time cops don't come for him because this was supposed to happen it's true the tv is not allowed yes that's exactly why that 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 happens although he'll probably he'll probably get a but I honestly, I always love like fun time loops like that where you mm-hmm. go like, oh, this is how it all loops around. Like, like I think that's really great. And like the Tandy's like, yeah, it's my great grandma. She's on that ship. Like, how did you know that? That's weird. Like that's yeah. a, that's a fun close circle loop. 
Yeah, I like the 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 line. I always think to people who don't watch Lower Decks, the line like, uh, "Oh yeah, our friend Tendi uh, is an Orion. She also goes by Winter by by like uh, Murder of the Summer of the Winter Solstice or whatever, like Witch of the of the Winter Solstice or whatever." And I'm just like, man, that must be wild for people who never watched Lower that show. I, I people it, like a nickname. It was fine. I love a nickname. Didn't throw me. People call me Dragonhawk. Uh, <laughs> Dragonhawk. Uh, I do think it's helped by like having the context. Like it, another reason I think it's smart to have the animated opening is like for anyone a little a step too far out. Like you see her at the beginning. You connect the Orions. You connect the whole like when they're talking Green about it. People. It's not that weird yeah. or wild. It doesn't feel like out of the blue information. Whereas again, have we not seen them? And then we're just like tossed into this and they just offhandly mentioned like, oh, yeah, our friend Tendi, she's an Orion. She goes by the blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, well, that's just like gobbledygook information, yeah, I then, guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's uh, there's a lot. There's a line towards the end of the episode that um, there's a so when when Mariner and Boimler are leaving and uh, you hear Rutherford and, and Tendi from the other side. It's like, do you guys need us to come over there? And Pike's like, no, 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 just no, please leave. <laughs> We've spent enough of the budget. No I, I, I Pike's, just, just, Pike's just deep exasperation when Mariner comes through the portal and there's just two of them. And the babysitter, <laughs> yeah, those parents oh, are late picking up those kids. That babysitter is done. Enterprise <laughs> beam up five. Yeah, oh, it's good. Yeah. Um, all right. There's a yeah, all right. I don't I'll just be I'll just be spouting off more references that I liked, and I don't want to I don't want to get uh, turn this into an episode of Lower Decks, as it were. I really uh, like. Yeah. I really like the way that Pike brings around like this was discovered by Orion scientists as you know part of the deal and like this thing of respect. I, I like it. It's just nice. Yeah. Um. I also really like when Pike talks about his dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I did really like that. I like the idea that his that you know Boimler's kind of not sure why nobody knows Pike's birthday and kind of gets on on to that that it's because of his future the uh being the beep beep chair and when he's um and when confronted by it pike's like no that's not it it's because of my dad and it's because i had a bad relationship with my dad and blah 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 i just i i found that really sweet like again this what i thought was just going to be like a one-off silly crossover episode of inconsequential inconsequential nature Turned out to have some really interesting character moments for all of our characters. Um, sets Chapel and Spock off in an interesting place because Chapel, we didn't really talk about, but Chapel kind of gets wise to the fact that she's not a lasting impact on Spock's life uh, because of what Boimler accidentally says. Which she also admits she kind of assumed and yeah. expected. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. She knows the writing's on the wall, even if Spock doesn't. Yeah. I, I quite I, I quite like this episode. Uh, obviously, yeah. I, we are obviously we are recording these uh, episodes um, later. As much of the season has aired at this point, um, and if a, a episode hadn't come out, this would have been my favorite of the season. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, you you audience have no context because you're in post strike land, and and I mm-hmm. hope it's wonderful over there. I hope I hope everybody's getting paid what they want, mm. and climate change has ended, and like the Living world is wages. a better place. <laughs> Living man <laughs> are you really shooting for the mood climate change has ended yeah why not go for everything yeah why not all right um, um 
but to your point, I think like, you know, it's very easy to have something like this where it's like, what's the purpose of doing this for fun? And, and like, that can be enough, mm -hmm. but I do think it's all the better that I feel there are, there's really one specific point to like, why do this besides the fun? And it's the Una thing um, to, to have the opportunity to give a full circle of like, we we will piecemeal you more story with Una through this show, mm -hmm. but um, the real like impact of it, the thing that's going to last down the line, we're going to tell you right now Honestly, that that's real. I I think Una's is the most like the the biggest impact, but I think that's true of that thing about of every character because they're fans of all these characters. I mean, talk about Ortega's being a war hero and how good mm -hmm. Spock is and how Uhura was remembered for being like this great this great uh, communication person. And like these are all people who kind of get the limelight of like they might be going through shit now, but they're all remembered as heroes right. in some way. And I'm like, oh yeah, that is really cool. That like, but I think you know, I, to my to the point I was saying, like I I just think that's the one where it's like it's beyond just like you know, hey, you're remembered really well yeah. kind of thing. It's saying, we like, it. you, this tells Una in a time that she will never live to see. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You are a part of Starfleet in such a way where they put you on a poster where we started the season with her... On trial. On trial and almost ejected from Starfleet for who she is. And, like, doing... Having the ability to do a, a full... Not just full circle, but a full projection for that character of, like your presence matters far beyond what you think. I think that's even more oh, important yeah. for the story that the season is telling um, while all the characters are touched by things. And I think that's, that's, that is there. I think that is a very, like you paid off story elements of other episodes in a way that has, I, I think fundamentally altered how that character will go into every, that, that character now gets to go into every battle uh, that she has to going forward about her people mm -hmm. knowing it changes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she shouldn't know that truth. Too much power. But she I mean, like, but future. I mean, like, it's I'm a nice, kidding. but but it's a nice gift. Cause like, instead of having hope that it'll change, you know, it'll change. Yeah. You know that this matters in this moment right now, in this time, you know it. And, and what a gift that is for that character after what we put them through earlier in the season. I also think it's a really nice opportunity for, um, pushing Pike further out of the depressed about my impending demise, uh, not demise, but my impending um, beep, suffering. I like that you call it the, the beep beep chair, Brandon. That's like, <laughs> my, that's impending, really funny. my impending Davros yeah. Uh, <laughs> chair. Yeah. Um, right before I create the Daleks, uh, yeah. I I think that that's um, really a nice I idea of like. You know, he talks about having this hope for his future, but he like he gets to know that like he has this legacy in in Starfleet, and that's something that he can not just like be proud of, but like that he'll strive to live up to until the very moment he can't. Mm -hmm. uh, and I I like things that are pushing him further and further away from where we start in season one about being just like super depressed about it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. There's uh, something else I wanted to to just kind of highlight, which is there's two moments that kind of make fun of the aesthetic of the 23rd century. Uh, one is Mariner kind of like, oh, rank on the sleeves. I don't know about that. Um, but another is when they're examining Boimus combat, which cues them into which allows us to to not have a moment where he's trying to pretend that uh, he's from the century, although he does for most like, yes. Five 
digits, perfectly normal star date. Um, which I thought was cute. But they they're looking at his combat, and I like that the that it, it it's not. Oh, look how high tech it is! It's oh, they don't flip anymore. Flipping is the best part. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cute. Classic, classic. Um, all right. Anything else? Good episode of Star Trek. Uh, I was very impressed with this episode. I'm really happy that it turned out to be as good as it did. I think mm-hmm. uh, Sparks nailed nailed it on the head with that, with, with his point about Una, um, about about that. And I think that it's just very cool that something that could have just been quick little nothing, fun little side fluff piece is a very important episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um, I think this does the crossover idea very well. Um, how I think whenever people do crossovers, it's always got to be how does this how does this positively impact the story we're we're telling? Um, and uh, and and I think it does it very well. Yeah, um, I think just one other thing that a pitfall they easily could have fallen into is feeling like this event has to change things for like, like create shifts for both sides. Yeah. And it didn't. Um, Boimler can still just be Boimler and Mariner can still just be Mariner and have met these people. Um, And like, they didn't need to be emotionally focused on for a change. Mm -hmm because this is a strange new worlds episode. And to be honest with you, I was just thinking about like other crossovers in television that it always bothers me when someone is crossing over to another show and they feel like they have to equally progress both characters. I'm like, no, this can just be about the characters who are on this show being directly affected by this crossover. And the other ones can kind of just be present and the experience have happened, but they don't need to be fundamentally changed by the experience. Yeah. Yes. I 100% agree with that. I was thinking about, I think, um, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I think if they tried to do that, it would have muddied the episode. It wouldn't have been. It would have been sloppier. Yeah, I I keep thinking about episodes where uh, Buffy and Angel would would cross over. I'm going to the same thing. I'm going yeah. to the same place. Yes, um, feels very similar. Of like, you, you know, it, you're absolutely right. Like these kind of cross this this crossover specifically. This is an episode of Strange New Worlds, not an episode of Lower Decks. Yes, these characters are crossing over, but this should. Be impacting the Strange New Worlds character in a meaningful in a meaningful way, not necessarily impacting the Lower Decks characters in a meaningful way. I'm pretty sure, and I couldn't tell you the events or specific episode or or any of that of what it is, but I'm pretty confident there's a point where Angel is already a show that's happening, and Angel leaves and goes on Buffy, and like a really important emotional thing happens to him. He goes back to Angel, and like everybody's just like, "Man, what happened to him there?" But like he won't talk about it, and I don't think he does for like. 15 episodes it and like really won't weird. acknowledge it and like yeah. you had to watch that episode of Buffy to know what was going on with Angel for like half of the season I just found it really weird that that David Boreanaz he would just like during those episodes he'd look at the camera and go watch Buffy episode 7 anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, but like it's weird it, it, it would have been I think that would have diminished the, the impact of what this is and I, I'm mm-hmm. glad that like what it does is favor 
the show that it's on, favor the cast that it's on, and be like, we're having a fun thing. They are the guests. Here are the hosts. The hosts are the yeah. ones who are being uh, altered by this event. This is the best possible outcome of this type of crossover, specifically with a wild animated show. Yes. Yeah. And they still get to have fun with the animated format with the bumpers being animated Lower Decks episodes, the intro being an animated version of this uh, Strange New Worlds intro, and the Strange New Worlds cast being animated for a bit. Like, you could you, Get you it this is you have your cake and eat it too. Yum yum yum. Yeah. Um all right. That'll do it. That will do it. Cool. Can't wait until we get together next time to talk about uh the eighth episode. Kirk, why are you on my ship? No, Kirk's not on that episode. Oh, my bad. That's nine. Um uh, yeah, this was oh, the, the next musical one. episode he's on? Yes. Yeah, because he's a singer. So this one will be uh, the next episode we talk about will be under the cloak of war, um, which let me tell you guys for some whiplash. Um, cloak. Oh, is it, oh, is it like really serious? Yeah. Oh, cool. It's like kind that. of wild. I don't mind. I don't mind saying this, but like the it, it's kind of strange going forward uh, from here. We had this really fun comedy, really dark war story, musical and what looks like the final episode has not aired at the time of this recording, what looks like a really another really dark episode. So it's Hell yeah. interesting how they've done this. Well, I don't know what to tell you, Brandon. Strange is in the name. You're Wee right. Wee. You're so right. And on that note, let's say goodbye. Um, this was Star Trek Strange New Worlds Fake Nerds Watch. Uh, this first season two, episode seven, Those Old Scientists. Thank you guys so much for joining um, at the time of this recording, many shows are on hiatus for the strike. And uh, if you're watching this, clearly that is no longer the case. Um, but please check out our website at fakenerdpodcast.com to find all the links to every single show that we do. And what was impacted by the strike? What is impacted? What Where things are coming? Where you can find episodes and things like that uh, on that website. And if we want to support us, make sure to check us out on our Public and our Patreon, um, which are all linked below. Support the strike, um, which actually... It's over. Hope, it's over. <laughs> I but I really supported it. Like, like, hey, go check out the links for the strikes. <laughs> I, I hope you supported the strike. We certainly did. There's, oh. there's a there's a narrow window possibility where the SAG after strike ends, which means we go back to releasing stuff, even though the W because the WGA didn't ask for the yeah. same things. And the, who knows? It's a different world. You know, we're just doing our best. Yeah. It's fun um, the future. Yeah, it's not that. All the links, all the links are down below. That you can check out. Of course, you can also find our 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 <clears throat> our solsters at Fickner Podcast um, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Ficknerguys at gmail.com. I am at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find me writing for CBR.com, AtomicEekdom.com, and KaijuRamaMedia.com. Uh, Sparks, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me um eagerly anticipating the musical episode which is not the next one but that's okay at sparks witty on instagram twitter s-p-a-r-k-z witty and ryan you can find me living in the future of when these are released maybe in the year of our lord 2024 <laughs> at dj tony snark 616 maybe it's back to twitter who knows in this crazy world who knows? Um, uh, and in the 23rd century, anything is possible. Um, that's how long the strikes have lasted. The 23rd century. Oh <laughs> All right, guys. Movies uh, ended. Until the next time you see us, um, which is whenever. Stay fake. No, live long and prosper. I almost did the wrong outro. <laughs>